in a county jail, you have these basically like a bunch of people, a bunch of women that like just don't care. They're crazy, ratchet. Like the showers have no curtains. Everybody's watching you shower. And these girls like come and they post up with their chair. Like you have an assigned chair and you carry it over and they just like they're sitting there watching you shower. This is so weird. So you'll, you'll be in the shower and they pull a chair. Yes. And they put it in front. Right in front of the shower. And is that what are you doing? Are you like, are you intimidated by that? Like, what do you do? It's like you just put on a show or something like what? On today's episode, we have Jessica Bell, a former addict and dealer on the show to share her story of getting wrapped up in a federal indictment, getting sentenced to five years in federal prison and what life was like within the prison walls. Remember everyone, you can grab your official locked in gear just in time for the holiday season. Use code locked in at checkout for 20% off your order. That's code locked in at checkout for 20% off your order. Thank you, everyone, for the love and support week after week. And I hope you sit back, relax, and get ready to lock in with Jessica Bell. Jessica. Yes. Welcome to the show. Nice to be here. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Comfortable. You need a pillow or anything? No, I got one. I'm cool. all perched up, I, I think. I love the boots. Thanks. Yeah. Those yeah. are very stylish. That's my thing. That's your thing? Yeah. Awesome. So let's start at the beginning of your story. You have an insane story. Um, you are one of the few women we've had on the show that have been to federal prison. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a couple others who are actually both in the Danbury federal prison. You know, the notorious one. Yeah. Um, you weren't at the Danbury one, no. so this will be a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, take us from the top. Um, where are you from? Where do you grow up? What's like childhood like for you? Okay. So, um, I was raised, born and raised in South Florida, a small town called Okeechobee, very backwoods. You know, everybody kind of like lives off the land. They still hunt and fish there today to make a living. Um, it's, it's fishing, it's dairies. It's just, you know, small town stuff. And uh, let's see, my parents, they both worked dairy farms. Um, my dad was a, he still is to this day, a cow breeder who breeds cows. So he fathers a lot of children. Um, and my mom, she milked. So yeah, and I have three siblings, two brothers and a sister. And yeah, this is so bad. No, I'm you're, sorry. <laughs> you're great. You're killing it already. How'd, uh, how'd you guys grow up? Rich, poor, uh, middle class? So the dairy farms, they don't pay much money. Like what they do is they, they build small cheap houses and um, they let the workers live there for free. You pay your lights and whatever, but still it's not a lot of money. So um, we were poor and my parents kind of worked like opposite shifts. So it was kind of, you know, there were n no real like role models around. And my dad worked 12 hours, he'd come home and sleep and my mom would do the same <clears throat> on opposite shifts. So um Sorry, I'm super nervous. I'm making this bad for your editor, so. You're totally good. How, how um, who are you closer to, your mother or your father? Um, now probably my father. What about back then? Back then, my mother, because, like, she's crazy. She, she, <laughs> she is, she's crazy. And, uh, she does, you know, she's on drugs. And back then we got along better because I was too, you know. We were just running around doing crazy stuff. And that's, now it's just like, I can't even really carry a conversation with her mm -hmm. without being like, okay. What this is enough. What about your siblings? Were you close with them growing up? No, not at all. Well, no, no. My, I feel like my sister hated my guts for a long time. I wasn't sure why. Um, she's a little bit older than me. Well, I'm the youngest, so. Uh, and my brothers, we're like, we've never been close. Never. I don't know. How, how would your friends describe you back then? Were you shy? Were you outgoing? Were you like the fun, you know, enthusiastic one? So I'm super shy until you get to know me. And then um, I think I'm silly. I think they would say I'm silly and kind of like back then airheaded and, you know, just go with the flow kind of person. Yeah. You know. D and did you go to public schooling, I'm assuming? I did. And what yeah. was that like? Public school? For you, for your perspective of it. Um, I don't, I don't really remember a lot of school. Like high school, I remember. Um, so... Yeah, kind of like sixth grade. That's sixth grade and up, I can remember. Uh, I moved to Gainesville. Florida. Yes, okay. with my mother when I was in uh, the sixth grade. Oh, you, your parents got divorced? Yeah, my parents did get divorced. Actually, they were never married. Um, my mom left when I was six, and then I don't remember seeing her again until I was like 11. 
And um, so, yeah, I moved to Gainesville, Florida, and it was a shock. Like, Okeechobee, small town, and I knew one black kid growing up. And when I got there, like, it was definitely a culture shock. Uh, there were, you know, all kinds of people. And was, like, I'm wearing boots and Wranglers, and everybody's wearing bell bottoms and, like, Nikes. And I had no idea, like, did, what was going on. Did kids make fun of you for the way you dressed? Um, not that I know of. They probably did, you know. But you were you. You liked to be you and who you were. Um, yeah, no, actually it bothered me, uh, cause you know, I felt like, you know, I'm different, you know, I want to fit in. So, you know, I went to the Goodwill and <laughs> bought some bell bottoms and some used Nikes and try to fit in. And what about college? Did you end up going to college? I did, but not so much later in life. Later in yeah. life. Okay. So after prison. After prison. Yeah. So after high school, what did you get into? Did you work? Uh, what was life like? Um, after high school, I, I went into the military. I joined the army when I was 17. You're in the uh, army? Yeah. Why, why the army? Um, you know, I was like, you know, this tough girl. I wanted to be a Marine, but it didn't work out that way. Cause I felt like, you know, you know, people say they're jarheads. You're, f you're first in, you're first to die. So I was like, mm, maybe I'll just join the army. I was like a tough girl. And, and, you know, you grow up poor, you want to like, that's, your, those are your options, you know, and to get out of your, you know, what you grew up in. So that was, that was it for me, the army. How long were you in the army for? Um, not long. I, I, um, like a year, maybe a little over a year. I met my husband when I was on leave, my ex-husband, <laughs> um, and got pregnant and got out. Okay. And they let you just leave because you got pregnant? Yes. Oh, so that automatically disqualifies you once you get pregnant. Right. Okay. And well, you I mean, does automatic, you get to choose, mm -hmm. you know, you know, you know, you sign this child over to your parents or somebody that can take care of them, or you can go home. And when you were in the Army, what did you do? Um, I was a military police officer. You were a military police officer? Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Uh, I loved it. I was so good at it. Yeah. Isn't it funny that you would go from military police officer to federal inmate? Yes. It's insane. <laughs> right? And sorry, so after you got out of the military, you're married now with a child and... Um, and a husband. Yes. Um, so I'm going to go back a little bit. So yeah. while I was growing up, like I started doing drugs really young. In high school? In, in like middle school. Middle, what kind of drugs are we talking <laughs> about in middle Meth school? Meth was the first thing that I've ever tried. Meth is really the only thing that I, that I've done. Um, when I was 11, my stepmom and my sister were like in the bedroom smoking, getting high. And mind you, my sister's only like two years older than me, two and a half years older than me. So she was super young too. But they're in the bedroom getting high. I have no idea what's going on. I'm just like, doo, 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 you know, this little, you know, airheaded 11-year-old running around. And um, <clears throat> they call me in the bedroom and they're like, here, try this. And, you know, I hit it. it. I smoked out of a light bulb. I hit it twice. And then I like went and cleaned the house. And like never questioned it. It's like, it wasn't until like a little bit later. I was like, why, why would they do that? Like, did they think that I saw them and I was going to tell on them or, you know, like, I don't, I just don't know why you would smoke with an 11 year old, but yeah. So this is the first time I done math. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a hatred towards your mother now for my stepmother? Yeah. For giving you in, uh, to introducing that to you. Um, no, I don't. Just because if it wasn't her, I would have done it with somebody else. And I, I know that kind of sounds weird. Like, I, it wasn't right. And I just, I will never understand. But like, I don't know who she is now, but then she wasn't the greatest person. So. What was that feeling like for you when you did it for the first time? How did it feel to smoke meth for the first time? Yeah. I mean, I've never <laughs> smoked meth, so I don't know what it's like. Have you ever done Molly? I've never done Molly. Okay. I've only ever done weed. Okay. So. All right, so the very opposite of weed. <laughs> so it just it feels great. You you're, you get a rush, you know, um, huge rush, and you're you're super happy. It's like everything good. All your endorphins start flowing, and you know, you're energetic. You're happy. It's like everything good in the world it hits you all at one time. And now meth's the stuff that can cause like scars on your body and yeah, like people get like tweaked out, and um, you know people pick and think there's bugs and like. I think a prolonged use or maybe somebody that can't like mentally handle. And I know that sounds crazy because like it's meth, but um, they think that things are crawling or they just want to pick at, you know, pimples or whatever, like, and they cause scars because they just don't stop. Were you using meth while you're in the military? No, no. So you got clean for that. Right. So it's like in Okeechobee, I, I smoked meth, but like when I moved to Gainesville, I, I was a different person. There was no meth. There was no drugs. 
Um, so, yeah. Why do you think that was? Probably the people, my the people I surrounded myself with, or my family that was there. So just a change in scenery was yeah, able to absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So you get back into meth after the military? Yes. What was the trigger? Um, I think that just because I was so used to doing it, um, and I went, I was in Okeechobee, you know, back in Okeechobee, and it's just, you know, all the people that I see there, they're doing it. Everybody I know, basically, in Okeechobee smokes meth, so, you know, it's the same thing. Like, uh, I'm hanging out with the people, you know, you get all these kind of, like, old feelings, about smoking, and it's just like my husband did it. Oh, your husband, my ex husband did it. Yeah, so I was like, why not? And when does it reach like the level that you're addicted to it, or were you never really addicted in your own mind back then? I think that, yeah, I, I don't think I was addicted because I could go and just not do it and not even think about it. You know, I'm not like jonesing and trying to get it. It wasn't until like two years before I was indicted that I was just like out there. And how long later would that happen? That was, was years later. Eight years later? Eight years. So what happens in between military and eight years that you end up federally indicted? Because you're how old when you're out of the military? 20? When you mm -hmm. Okay, so you're about 20. So eight, this eight-year span of time, what, yeah. what's like the first step into that? Like you, you cross over to the other side, I guess you could call it. Um, yeah, no, everything was going good when I got married. You know, we cleaned up. We decided to clean up. We got married, um, had my daughter, and we were clean for a long time. Well, I say a long time, for a few years. And, you know, you have that one friend that comes over and it's like, hey, what's up? You know, and, and life was going good. And we were hunting. We had a guide service. We took people hog hunting for a living. And, you know, that's going well. We're killing like 12, 13, 15 hogs a day. And um, the friend comes over and says, hey, look what I got. Check this out, you know. And we had a serious conversation about it. You know, very, it's an addict conversation now that I look back but um we talked about it and we're like we came to the conclusion that you were doing so well why not get high one night you know it's right here so that was it you know smoke one night you get high the next night and the next night and then it just keeps going do you think that there's something like that happened traumatically in your childhood that wanted you to like have this escape with drugs at all absolutely yeah what do you think? What do you think it was? Have you ever thought about it? Um, there are probably a few things that, um, you know, that kind of like bring me to that like comfort zone, you know, doing meth. It's um, <clears throat> when I was 12, my uh, I didn't realize it then. I thought I was a big girl hanging out with, uh, you know, the adults. But my Aunt Joanne basically like pimped me out to the drug dealer. And I remember lying about my age. I said I was 13 instead of 12. You Not know, that I made a difference. It doesn't make a difference. Like you're a dirtbag. You're a 27 year old guy. You know, you know. My aunt would just call him on the phone, and be like, "Hey, you know, guess who's here?" And he would come over and throw her some dope, and we, I would ride around with him for days, and you know, while he's selling drugs and hang out. Now, when you're saying pimp out, like this is like sexual activity. Uh, not at first, but yeah, eventually it got to that. And did you? You didn't know exactly what was happening. Uh, no, because I mean. I was a big girl. I was hanging out. I thought I was an adult. So, like, nothing, you know, about her pimping me out or, like, her selling me, it, it just never crossed my mind because I was more, you know, engulfed in hanging out with the grown-ups. How long did that go on for? Um, Probably a span of, like, three years. Three years? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's that's terrible. It's insane, right? And your mom intervened in this? Or? No, my mom was gone at this point. She was oh. in uh, Gainesville. Okay. So it was just my dad. And my dad is the kind of person that, like, if something is not right in front of your face, like, it just, it's not there. It doesn't exist, you know? So I don't think, and true, like, another thing is that he didn't know what was going on. He had no idea. Would he have done something if he knew? Mm, probably. And do you, do you think, like, the drug use was an escape from those memories at all? Um, I think that, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, the childhood, like, you know, I don't have memory, many memories, but, like, when I think about it, I think about, you know, my parents fighting over money. Like, we have never had money. And um, so, my, so my brother molested me. 
um, when I was 11. So I think that was probably a big trigger. That was just like, okay, you know, this is much better. I love the way I feel when I do this, you know. I love hanging out with people when I do this. Um, it's just, and you just don't think about life. It was an escape. It was an escape. It was my blanket, my safety blanket. The only problem with the escape is it could become addicting. Yeah. Whether you know it or not in the right. time. It does. It's bad. Do you think if like you had a stable family member there, this would have ended up differently for you? Like a sound home, like a, a, I guess, normal family, you could call it. Not that any family's necessarily normal, but something a little bit more, you know, structured and comforting. I do think that things would have changed if there were somebody there. Um, but then again, like, I think that my life was, like, you know, chaotic for a child. Would I have noticed somebody trying to help if there were somebody? Which I don't think there was, but... You know, I may have just been like, you know, psh, this is the way I live. This is life. This is how I, I, I've grown up. Like, this is what I know. So what I've listened, I don't know. Yeah. So you're married. You're using again with your friend. When does it transition into selling drugs? Because that's um, like the first crime aspect to your story that happens. Right. Uh, it's not so much later. You know, I was married for. Oh, God. Like six years. Okay, six um, years. And it wasn't until we separated that I started selling drugs. What did he do for work? Um, we hunted hogs. That's a job? Yeah. We had a guide service. Like if you're from Connecticut and you want to hunt a hog, but you don't know how to do it, we take you. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And was that lucrative? Did you make money? Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Okay. So you guys are like two hillbilly type people exactly. in the woods hunted like, hogs. Listen, my story is like swamp people and um, what's that other story about meth? Um, the one oh, that everybody knows. I, I know what you're talking about. Like those, <laughs> the, they have a TV show, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, it's that combined, whatever that is. I forget. I've never heard the female version of it though. So this is interesting. Yeah. Okay. So the, you guys get divorced. What? Why do you guys decide to get divorced? Um, we got divorced because we were strung out on drugs and, you know, like he's doing pills. He doesn't want to work. Like I, I'm on meth and it's just, it's just all bad. You know, there's people around all the time influencing like your, your marriage and it's just not good. And are yeah. your parents in your life at all at this point? Cause you're what? 26. Um, no. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I got indicted. I think I was 28. Mm. Um, yeah, I guess you could say, but they don't know what's going on. They don't know. It's not like, hey, you know, I call my mom every couple of days and let her know the, the tea. But, yeah. Do you, do, is, do you have enough money to pay for both your drug habit and to live off of? Or are you guys kind of struggling? No, um, life was easy. We, you know, we had land. We had a house. You know, we bought a house. And, and the money that we had coming in was, you know, we didn't have any <laughs> overhead. You know, not really. So <clears throat> it was easy at first. It always is at first. But then, you know, you do drugs and you don't want to go to work and you're not making money. So then it becomes an issue. All right. So when's the first time you decide that you want to start selling drugs? Um, I think that I've always kind of like done like nickel and dime stuff, you know, just a little quick flip. But it wasn't until, like I said, like two years before I got indicted a friend of mine actually approached me and he had a key in the back of the car. He's like, yo, meet me at the store. Let's talk. You know, are you still in the same business? I'm like, yeah, you know. And uh, so I meet him at the store and he's like, you think you can push this? I was like, yeah, I think I can. So, you know, he gives me half, get rid of it. And it just kind of went from there. Did you have an advantage because you were a woman oh, yeah, as a so. dealer? Absolutely. So do you think guys would pay more money or? They probably would. They probably would. But, I mean, I was a bad drug dealer. <laughs> what do you mean by bad? Like, I'm too nice, you know. I'm like, here you go, just take it, don't worry about it. You know what I mean? You don't make money that way. <laughs> was you it know? dangerous to be a woman drug dealer? I think it's dangerous for anybody to be a drug dealer. But, um, yeah, it could be. You know, there are people. We got robbed down in Homestead what, once. You got robbed? Mm -hmm. Describe the robbery. So it was early in the morning, and we had two rooms. And, um, you know, we would leave them open in the morning, going back and forth. And uh, it was super early, like before the sun was up. And two people came in and just like calmed down. 
this is a robbery. You know, stay calm, put a pillow over your face, and just went through the room and, and left. Did they tie you up or anything? No. They just put the pillow. On your face. So once someone's holding you down and... It, I'm not trying to move. <laughs> I mean, I know I'm tough, but I'm not taking on these guys. What did they get? They didn't really get anything. They took a bunch of pills. Okay. A bunch of pills. So That's you're moving it. pills too at this time? Um, Yeah, but it wasn't like a big, big thing. Like if I got a good deal, you know, on pills, like they're not like they are now. You could get 30s for like six bucks back then and sell them for 15. So now they're just insane, I think. And wh- where is, where's your kid at this time? My kid is with her dad. Okay. Yeah. You guys had no relationship? No, yeah, we're still good friends. We were, we've always like remained good friends. And are you using actively? During your drug dealing? Yes. So how does that affect you and oh. the business and stuff? Because they always say you can't, you shouldn't use while uh, high on your own supply, uh, right? It's true. It's it's not good. Like, you know, you're, you're, you're getting high with everybody, you know, hanging out. And, like, you're the cool guy. It's just, it's no good, you know. And you're, you have it at your disposal. Are you, and are you making any money? Like, serious money? Or is this just, like, petty drug dealing? I think that... For a very short period of time, I was I was making okay money. That's when I wasn't like too strung out, like. But it didn't last long. Easy come, easy go. You know what I mean? It's just. How much money are we talking? <sighs> Listen, I I I don't. I don't really know because. I don't really know. Like honestly, mm-hmm. I'm I'm getting like. At first, I'm I'm just getting like a couple ounces at a time for like eight hundred bucks, and I'm reselling them whole, as you know, at two thousand, three thousand dollars. So I mean, whatever that adds up to, because I've usually like just dealt in ounces. Mm-hmm. So, so you aren't this like queen pin, uh, kingpin type woman, right? So in my case, like there are a bunch of us. It's just like this whole group, and surprisingly, they're like half women. You know, you don't really you say you you don't really hear that. And even my prosecutor was surprised. He's like, I've never seen that in any case. Um, but we were all like there were there were sixty five people that went down in my case. Um And how many of those did you actually know? Oh, I knew almost all of them. Really? Yeah. Normally this in small town. Yeah, but normally in these like drug cases, you never know like any of the people on your indictment. Oh no, I know. Basically almost every single person. Maybe maybe five I didn't know personally but i've heard of wow yeah but um we were all like basically the same you had this main guy his name is wild man you know this hillbilly that wears overalls and um he's just you know going through the tri-county and and passing out like so how extensively were the cops looking for you um we were like i said we were such a problem that you know they were pulling us over for every little thing things that weren't even true like we got pulled over like three times for the tent on the um car being too dark and like the fourth time they pulled us over and we're like what are you doing what are you pulling us over for like you guys are just being insane and like we pulled you over for your tent like no we got smart we took the tent off the window there's no tent and you're telling me you pulled me over for a tent you know um there was another time we were out gigging frogs on the lake on the airboat and, you know, we pull over to kind of like hang out and rest for a minute and maybe get high. I don't know. But um, we just pulled over, shut off the engine, and then a beam, a light, boom, hits us. And it's the feds, you know, or probably the game commission. Uh, so this, this, my buddy has like a, a blackout switch, you know. The motor runs, but all the lights are out a little. So we're running and I'm just like terrified, you know, we're going to hit something or like we're not going to get away. They're they're running an airboat 10 times, you know, bigger than ours. And uh, yeah, that was pretty insane. This is all while you're on the run from them. This was not while I was on the run. This was before I was even indicted. Uh, And they're just why are they after you like this? Um, Because they know what we're doing. They've been investigating us for 18 months. Like if they can get us doing this, you know. (laughs) So you're running, it's like in the movies where you run through the swamp or like with the big fan on the back yeah, of the, yeah. that's insane. It is insane. And they're all like chasing you down? Yes. Wow. It was, and we got away. That was the away. crazy part. How do you even get away with that if they're gunning for Listen, you? My buddy is like, the, he has been running this lake for his whole life. He knows it like the back of his hand. Like anybody else would be just lost and, and we would have been caught. Yeah. It was insane. So how do you first find out that the feds are investigating you? 
I had no idea. So listen, I didn't even know what an indictment was when I found out I was indicted. It's okay. I didn't either. I, I, <laughs> I was so naive and, you know, I thought like I would never get caught because I was a nobody. And if anything, I had a good record, you know, the military, which is shitty of me to use that as, you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I thought I would never get caught. And um, I was actually at my ex-husband's visiting my daughter because I had just got arrested two days prior, um, which is another story I'll get into. But, um, and then his roommate comes in and she's screaming, oh, my God, they just busted my dad. They just busted my dad. And, you know, just waking up like, what? She's like, yeah, they got my dad. There's a whole list of people and you're on it. And I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, somebody posted the indictment on Facebook. It's just I'm reading through it. It's a 10 count indictment. You know, everybody's being charged with count one, you know, conspiracy, conspiracy to possess and distribute 50 grams or more. You know, uh, like, yeah, that was the first time I even I was like, what is this? I'm going to prison for 10 years. Like, I, I couldn't wrap my head around it. It just didn't feel real. That's how much time you were facing. Um, yeah, everybody in it. You know, they say that, like, you know, that count, whatever count one carries 10 to life. So they didn't physically come arrest you yet, though. No, but the only reason they didn't, it was because I was not at the place they thought I was at. I had left early in the morning. Um, I was actually with another girl that was um, on the case. We were walking uh, down the road the night before, and I was going to stay with her that night. And for some reason, I ended up not staying. I went and, you know, saw my daughter. And uh, yeah, they sent out like six teams maybe more of like six people, six guys, and arrested everybody at the same time at 4 a.m. And because I wasn't where they thought I was, they're like, where is she? You know what I mean? But um, she, when she came in, they got her dad already, and uh, I was like, fuck, what do I do? You know, I need to go somewhere else, away from my daughter. You know, I kissed her goodbye. I told her I was going to prison. She asked me for my phone. She's like, can I have your phone? I was like, are you serious? <laughs> no. Um, and yeah, I just left. I went to a friend's house that nobody would really, you know, associate me with. And I ran for like 20 days. You were on the run for 20 days? 20 days. So are, are you like scared? I think I'm more concerned with figuring out what's going on and if I can get out of it. But yeah, I mean, I guess I was kind of scared. I, I knew I was going to get arrested. I was going to turn myself in eventually because my thoughts were like each day that I run is a day longer away from my kids because like I'm gonna have to go through this whole process and it's just it's just stupid what are you doing you're gonna get caught so um I was more concerned with you know figuring out what's going on if I could get a lawyer if I could get out of it and where were you like hiding out um I worked for a CPA and you know she does everything right and I I stayed in her pool house yeah and she allowed she knew you were on the run she did uh, well you said she does everything right so. right well I mean she knew what I was going through, okay. you know, and, uh, you know, she's not going to say here, she, she is. But, um, yeah, they kicked in my dad's door, um, which is where I was living at that time. Uh, my sister's house, uh, another place that, you know, I was all over the place. Um, we call this house is granny's house. My husband's, my ex-husband's, I keep saying that. Um, and... That was, they did that twice. They went to all their places twice. And um, what was it? I went to, I eventually went to Ocala because I didn't want to get this person in trouble, this CPA in trouble by being there. So I decided I'd go to Ocala. And <clears throat> that's my grandmother's place. So I'm staying there and, you know, I'm telling them like what's going on. My grandmother doesn't want me there. You know, I get a little upset, but like I understand. But at that point I was just like, all right, so where am I going to go? You know, my mom's trying to put me on a semi truck with some guy she just met online or something, some big I'm like, and to like travel the country with this guy I don't know. It's mm -hmm. like, what do you what are you doing, mom? Like, I have no money. He's not, he's gonna be taking care of me. He's gonna want something for taking care of me. What are you doing? It's like I'm not doing that. You're insane. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, my yeah, my girl, my grandmother wants me to leave, and uh, so. You know, I get upset. I go for a walk trying to figure out things. Um, uh, it's Ocala's very woodsy. And my aunt, Chris, probably lives like three blocks down the road. And um, as I'm walking, uh, two black helicopters are hovering. And my mom catches up with me. You know, she's like, you know, are you okay? Whatever. And uh, so, yeah, the two, um, like, 
those are for me. So I like dip into my Aunt Chris's yard, very, very wooded. And like they have cars, like it's an old junkyard. And uh, I climb into this old musty car with <laughs> mosquitoes. And so I can't like hear the helicopter anymore. So I'm like, fuck, what am I going to do? So I go back to my grandmother's house and I'm just like, I'm just going to go back to Okeechobee, you know, back to Okeechobee. And I knew once I did that, that like I would be caught. Uh, like on my way to Ocala, my buddy that was driving me wanted to stop at a hotel and stay the night. And I'm like, I don't think we should. It's a bad idea. Because like I had this feeling like they were on my trail like the whole time. I wasn't like intentionally, you know, avoiding them, I guess you could say, or running um, but I guess I was just one step ahead and he wanted to stop at this hotel in Wildwood. And I was like, it's not a good idea. Um, this hotel is two stories and there's only one way in. So that means there's no way out. <laughs> and, uh, we get the hotel and we get all our stuff. We go in there and as soon as he closes the door behind him and he goes to pull the curtain, two cops come up the stairs and go past the window. He's like, oh fuck. I was like, what? Like, I just knew, like, oh, fuck, I knew this was a bad idea. We shouldn't have done this, blah, blah, blah. And I look, and I'm like, let's just go. Let's just leave. So, like, we bolt out the door, downstairs. Blah, blah, but as I'm running down the stairs, I look over, and I see SUVs parked across the fence at, like, the restaurant next door. So I was like, fuck. And uh, we leave, and I'm just waiting for them to be behind us. But we make it to my grandmother's, and, like, she has a few acres <clears throat> and a, a gate. So in my mind, they can't come in. You know, this private property. I don't know why it took them so long. Like, it was a few days. Like, once I left, they showed up, like, two days later. And uh, they arrested my aunt because they thought she was my mom. They're like, where's Jessica Bell? Whatever. And um, she's like, whoa, 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 I'm not Charlotte. And what happened was it was a whole Andrew Tate situation. <laughs> and let me explain. So while I was in Okeechobee, you know, at this point, you know, I've been on the run. I don't have money. Um, I'm staying with a friend. I'm trying to, like, keep it low profile. So I call, and and I'm hungry. I'm like, yo, can I get some pizza? Can you order me some pizza? I'm starving, right? And uh, my grandmother orders me some pizza off her credit card. And when the feds show up and they're going through their phones, that's how they find out. Like, okay, look, she, she asked for pizza. Find out where she ordered this pizza, and let's go get her. How is pizza the trigger? How is pizza? Yeah. Where did she order this pizza from? I ordered the pizza with her credit card. Oh, because she wasn't with What the... address did this pizza go to? Okay. <laughs> but couldn't the grandmother just be doing pizza? No, they saw where I asked for the pizza in her phone. And it but was it different could than be. the... Yeah. yeah. It's in Okeechobee. Like, you know. Why were they so gun-ho after you? Like, you're a low-level person. Why are they, like, so after you? I think that in this town, it's small town, it's not low-level to them. Like, to them, like, we have been thorns for so long, you know? And this was a big deal. It was an 18-month investigation, and, and they pulled everybody in. on Like, the U.S. assistant, uh, the attorney came with the teams that they, they raided everybody. Like, they were all on the teams. These They were just, like, you know. Okay, so the the pizza happens. What? How, how do they show up after that? So the place that I was staying, the friend's house, we had cameras on each corner. And it was an apartment in the back of a main house. Um, and we're just inside. Actually, so the guy that took me to uh, Ocala, he came over. He's like, hey, the Fed just showed up at my sister's house, the CPA, looking for you. I was like, oh, great. You just brought him right here, which he did. Um, the green suits come around the side of the building, and they're, I'm freaking out. They're knocking on the, the main house door, and the, the granny, granny has um, Alzheimer's, right? So she's like, Jessica, which she also has a granddaughter named Jessica. She's like, yeah, Jessica's right here. She's right here. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, uh so I'm just like, fuck, I have two friends inside this building, and, and I'm like, I'm going down either way. So how about I just open the door, I'll lock it behind me, and they can just, you know, be done. They can't mm -hmm. come in after that once I'm outside because I'm what they want. Mm -hmm. So I smoke a cigarette, and uh, I'm like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> and I just get go out the door. That I lock it behind me. They're like, there she is, there she is. Put your hands up. Turn around. You know, walk. They did the whole thing. Like, you got any guns on you? And I'm like, No. <laughs> So, I'm in shorts and a, like, tank top. Like. So they arrest you, and this is your first time ever been arrested. Um, well, 
No, I had been arrested like a month before that. But yeah, I was only there for like two hours. Mm -hmm. So this was like a big arrest, though. This was a huge arrest. And do you get bond? No, I am a menace to society and a flight risk. So we don't get bond. (laughs) And so what do they have you at, like the county jail? Yeah. So, you know, federal holding, they take us to this place called Rock Road. Um, It's horrible. They put us in with the Max girls. I don't know why. Like, you know, typically they would have a separate federal holding, right? Did you do that? Yeah, they were, we were at, a, like, a detention center. Oh. But um, it was some states, you go to the county jail if you're federal. This was, like, a private detention center. Okay. Where they also had, like, immigration uh, inmates, too. They got good food there. Then, no, it was terrible. <laughs> well, actually, it was, our, you could order, like, takeout once a week to, like, a restaurant that you'd get, like, a chocolate slice of cake and cheesecake and a hamburger and fries. That's something. Uh, but otherwise, the food sucked. It's always skimpy, you know? Yeah, but skimpy. Uh, how was your, like, county jail experience? Um. So, yeah, like, it was my very first, like, extensive, you know, stay. Um, it was, uh, it was crazy because, like, in a county jail, you have these basically, like, a bunch of people, a bunch of women that, like, just don't care. They're crazy, ratchet. Like, the showers have no curtains, so everybody's watching you shower. And these girls, like, come and they post up with their chair. Like, you have an assigned chair. And you carry it over, and they just, like, they're sitting there watching you shower. This is so weird. So weird. So why did the the woman bring the chair to the shower just to sit and just watch? Just to watch you shower. So you you'll be in the shower and yes. they pull a chair. Yes. And they put it in front. Right in front of the shower. And is that what are you doing? Are you like are you intimidated by that? Like what do you do? It's so, like you just put on a show or something like what? Do women approach you at all for like sex or anything yeah. like that? Yeah. So it's like a men's prison but it's just reversed with like women. Yeah. So how does that happen? I don't think it's as rough. As it is, in, like, in a men's prison. But, I mean, a lot of girls end up dating other girls, you know? Like, they want companionship. They like it. And they end up dating chicks. Did you date anyone in prison? Um, I did. You had a prison girlfriend? I did. But just just so you know, my first girlfriend was in high school. What do you mean? So oh, okay. I, so I've dated women my okay. whole life. Okay. So it was normal to date someone for yes. you in prison? Yeah. It wasn't gay for this day or anything. <laughs> So how do they have that in women's prison gay for this day? Yeah, absolutely. So, this is women that are married and like, oh, my husband knows. You know, it's like more socially acceptable, though, for it a is. woman to date another woman yeah. rather than a man, man date another man. Yeah, much more. So how do they approach you, like to feel you out to see if you're about it? Um, I don't know. You have different levels to it. Like some women are just like super sweet. And, then you know, there's just something about you that they like and they don't really they've never really experienced this before. And, you know, they'll slide you a little love letter and like, oh, my God, I, I, you know, I don't know. I feel like this. I've never been with a woman. But you, you know, and then there's other chicks that will back you into a corner and just like, <laughs> yeah. And did that happen to you? Yes. So what do you do in that situation? Um, you know, I'm just like super like I laugh it off. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know. You're not my type. <laughs> like, you t- you're like, you're not yeah. my type. <laughs> and do they back off? Yeah. I mean, they still kind of say things and they're flirting and, you know, it's very like innocent, but they still do. It's not like, come here, give it to me. Are these women violent? Like, are they going to grab you and, and like attack you? No. Okay. It, in my experience, no. <laughs> well, I you, don't got, know. you got lucky. Yeah. And what about the guards? How do they treat you? Um,. In federal prison? No, we'll stay on county. We'll okay. get to federal. Right. Yeah. How so, are the county guards? Um, I don't know. You have you know you're different. They're all different. You know, some of them are super cool, but they definitely. I I can't say like they all go by the book. There's no room to like kind of slip up because there's just constant. You know, I don't know. I want maybe surveillance. You can't do anything in there. Mm-hmm. Um. What's the sleeping arrangement? So we had six bunks to a room okay. with the toilet in the middle. In the middle? In the middle of the room. Is it awkward? To... It, yes, listen. <laughs> you have that one bunkie that you have to sleep with a blanket over your head because they like to get up in the middle of the night and go, listen, it's bad. And I, you got to be like at least kind of respectful. You get your towel and you cover yourself up and kind of tuck it so the smell stays in the toilet and then you flush. Like This is the shit in prison? <laughs> yes. So women do indeed shit. They do. Wow. This shocking, is going right? to be shocking for I a lot know. of uh, individuals. Sorry, guys. 
Wow. So it's in the middle of the cell? Yeah. Who? With the sink in the middle, too? Um. Yeah, it sinks in the top. Wow. Are women clean in prison, like in the cell? Most women are. You get your occasional slob, but most of them are. And are you guys locked in the cell? Yes. So it's it's nothing like a federal prison camp, the county jail. Nothing like it. Okay. And food is served in that cell too. Um. No, we get locked down, and then like for lunch, and then they serve the trays, and that's when they kind of like they call what do they call it? Chow or no, no, where they roll the doors. They call them roll the doors, or whatever. They just unlock the doors and let you out. How long do you do in the county? 10 months. And do you go to trial, take a plea deal? Mm, I was very dumb and naive. So, I, you know, oh, my God, I don't deserve 10 years. What did I do to deserve 10 years? Like, I, they weren't offering me 10 years. They, um, they were offering me 70 months. And I was like, I'm going to trial. I'm the last person to be caught in the case. Everybody else is caught. Well, you were on the run. <laughs> right, right. So I'm also the last one to, pl- to plea out. So it wasn't until everybody else pled out, including the big guy. You got 25 years. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm the last person. Like, and everybody else pled out. Mm-hmm. This isn't going to go good for me. And, like, I didn't know at that time either that if you go to trial, they're going to ban you, you know, for wasting their time because you're guilty. So I finally was like, I, my lawyer came in and he came in to check on me. He's like, all right, I'm just making sure you're still ready to go to trial. And I'm like, oh, I'm ready to sign. He, like, literally had to leave, go to his office, get the plea deal and come back. <laughs> And did you have a public defender or a paid lawyer? Oh, no, it was a public defender. Do you think if you had a paid lawyer, the outcome would have been different at no. all? Didn't matter? Nope. Okay. The big guy in the case paid a lawyer. Um, however much, 100000 150000 I don't know what. Um, and he got 25 years. Yeah, he was also the head of it, though. Yeah, but 25 years. So how much time do you end up getting? I end up getting 65 months. Which is like five, five and a half years. Five and a half years. How did that make you feel? I don't know. I think that I was I was still kind of like it was just unreal. Like the fact that I'm going to prison. The worst part, I guess, was is was my kids cuz I lost my kids. Um my kids went to the state and depending on what I got, you know, they're like if you get more than 5 years, we're going to prove you unfit. We're going to take your kids. So like right then I knew like okay they're going they're taking my kids when I got sentenced. So that was like the worst part, you know. Yeah. Just knowing that that your kids were out of your yeah. control. So the, yeah. they probably weren't even able to visit you. Um my oldest did um because she ended up with her dad. And uh it was like a year and a half in I got to see her for the first time in Coleman. So where you go to Coleman Federal Prison Camp. Mm-hmm. That's in Florida. Yes. What's that like? Is that the one on the beach or no? Is there one on the beach? Yeah, there's a men's prison camp. I think it's Pensacola. Oh, maybe. But no, it's not on the beach. It's in the middle of uh, Florida. How many women are at this camp? Like 350 women. 350? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a big camp because, you know, obviously it's a work camp. And there's also, you know, the other institutions. You have a medium, a low, and the two pins. So we basically take care of everything. You know, we cut the grass for all the institutions. You know, we go in, we feed, you know, sometimes feed the guys when they get locked down. And, you know, we're making stuff and taking care of the whole place. And what's like the average crime, you would say, is there and the average sentence? So it's probably down the middle. Like you have your white collar crimes. And then the other half would be drug dealers. There's a lot of um, like crack dealers with a lot of time. Um, but, uh, the other one, yeah, it's just white collar crime. And I don't know, it varies, seven years, 10 years, 15 years. I was actually locked up with Bernie Madoff's secretary, Annette. Wait, Bernie Madoff's secretary yeah, was there? Annette Bajorno. So what's she like? She's, you know, a little tiny, you know, she's, she's super cool. She was nice. And did, how much time did she get? I, I don't know. Actually, I think that... While I was there, so she got sentenced and she only got a few years, like, mm, I want to say four to seven. I'm not real sure. But this was years ago. Yeah. What year is this? What the, This got to be a, what, 2010, 11? When, whenever she got sentenced the first time. Oh, she or went what? to prison twice? No, I'm thinking like, or maybe she just didn't self-surrender until 
later. Yeah. I don't really know what happened, but she was there while I was there. Yeah. What year were you there in, in the camp? Um, 2000, 2016, I think I got there. Is it is it mainly white women, Spanish, black, or is oh, it's it? It's a mixture. It's a mixture. Yeah, there are a lot of like Cubans from Miami. You know, oh. it's in Florida, so you don't want to. That's the closest to home that you could stay. You were probably one of the younger inmates there. Mm, no, I was probably an average age. Really? What yeah. What do you think the youngest was at a federal woman's camp? You know, I don't know, but there were definitely like, you know, I want to say 22, maybe. 22? Yeah. And, and drug cases? Yeah. Or? Okay. Are a lot of these women like women who were doing something illegal with their husband or boyfriend and they got caught up? Yeah, some of them were. Okay. Yeah. And did you get to like connect with these women? Um, yeah, you know, I met this chick, Laura. Um, my first day in FDC Miami is kind of like a transfer center. Mm hmm. I spent two months there, and uh, I don't know what's going on. My first time out of county, and, like, I'm going off to prison, and she pops her head in my in my room, and, like, I have a room by myself, you know, so it's my first night there, and she's like, hey, you got to move. Like, what? And she's like, she literally almost made me cry. That's how, like, distraught I was. And she's like, yeah, I need a bunkie, and I don't want a crazy one. You seem nice, so come on. <laughs> so. What do you think was the... Uh the most interesting thing you saw at that federal prison camp? A lot went on at the, at the, at the camp. Um, my first day there, my co-defendant was working landscape, and she's like, you know, come meet my boss. He's super cool, you know. Bosses um, and a prison guard. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and she's like, we're kind of seeing each other. I was like, oh, okay. And uh, that was probably the craziest thing. There are, like, a lot of relationships, you know, between guards and the women. And how do those happen? It's, you know, it's people. You you know, you have a bunch of women. You spend a lot of time together watching these people for, you know, 12 hours a day or whatever. Like, you get to know them. And they're just sleeping with each other? Like, where are they going? In the closet? The office? Where, where do they go? Just wherever they... <laughs> yeah. Closets. Woods. Were you ever approached by a prison guard? Um, the worst thing that's happened was like when I first started landscape, uh, you have to chit out your keys. So like I knew this guy was obviously seeing my co-defendant and uh, would he hand, hand, he would hand me the keys and like he would rub my hand like, you know, like that's the worst thing that's happened. So, what did okay. you say? Which, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> I'm not the one, you know. Like, that's maybe that's how you try, you know. Do you test the waters, you know, if they're going to, you know. What do um, female woman prisoners wear? What's the outfit? Uh, I think it's the same as men. It's greens, right? It's greens, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's khakis, like, two separate. It's not like a jumpsuit. It was, like, two separate pieces. Yes, two separate pieces. Was there any other celebrities there other than uh, Bernie Madoff's secretary? Um. <laughs> None that I can think of. No, I don't think so. Mm -mm. No one special? No, no one that sticks out in my mind. Now, in uh, in men's camps, a lot of the men will, like, leave the compound, like, run through the woods or whatever to go hook up with their wives. Were women doing that to, like, hook up with their husbands at all? Is it reverse? Um, I've heard those stories. Like, I've never actually witnessed it. But the women's camp, you have, like, free reign. There's no fence. You know, you and play because we're taking care of, you know, all these other institutions. It's nothing for you to see four or five inmates in a truck driving around. You know, we're landscape. It's 2,200 acres. We're everywhere every day. So, yeah, I mean, people are hooking up. <laughs> That's so crazy. It is crazy. What about food? Were you guys getting good food smuggled in? The girls would like, it's silly, a woman's prison. So, they would get drops of, like, cigarettes, cell phones, gummy worms, eyelashes, hair straighteners. It's, like, silly stuff, you know? What about, um, yeah, cell phones? Did you have one in prison? I did not, but a lot of people did. It's pretty common to have a contraband yeah. phone. In a camp, yeah. What are they doing with them? Just watching stuff, texting? Yeah, probably the same thing you do. <laughs> yeah, that's what I... <laughs> yeah. It, you know, it's so fascinating that in different prisons across the country, everyone does the same thing. 
but no one like talks to each other. It's just like natural. It's just like part of the economy. Yeah. It's so interesting. It is interesting. Especially like a whole different gender. Like women are doing the same thing men are doing. Mm-hmm. Biggest question a lot of like the listeners are interested about is like the sex toys. Are you guys making them? Are you smuggling them in at a camp? How does that work? So in county jail, um, there was a tutorial that some chick put on and she was making dildos out of like a toothbrush, you know, the little toothbrush holders. You uh, get some contraband gloves and I don't know what else you stuff in there. But yeah, like I've seen them make them. I've seen one used, not on purpose. Like I just kind of, oh my God, what are you doing? Um, But in federal prison, no, I didn't see much of that. There wasn't much at all. Mm -mm. What are like some creative things women would do? Like would they have like a creative hustle? Would they make things, dishes, food dishes? They were amazing cooks. Um... They would sell cakes, like these cakes, like you just went down to the bakery. Uh, I don't know how they did it. They add soda or something to make it fluffy. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, they were amazing. But, yeah, they would sell food. They would make truffles. Um, uh, they have crocheting, so they would, like, make blankets and outfits out of, you know, yarn. And they would sell that. They got some hustle. Some people would draw, you know, your, your standard, you know, drawing. And Did you have a hustle? No, I just work landscape. And how much do they pay you to, to um, work landscape? $120 a month. That's actually pretty good for yeah. a prison. I was grade one, so okay. but it took me a little bit to get there. So I started out obviously at like, what, 23 cents an hour or something, whatever yeah. they pay. So I started out, like, I got five bucks for the first couple of months, but eventually made it to. Do women tattoo in prison? Yes, I have a, I have a prison tattoo. You got a prison tattoo? <laughs> Wait, where is it? Oh, That's your prison tattoo? It's so bad. What is that? Is that like an antler? Yes, it okay, is. Okay, I guess that, right? I, I'm glad. So walk us through that. Why do you decide to get it? How does it happen at the camp? I've never heard. I've, I've seen women get a ta- prison tattoo before. But. Right. So this was county jail. This okay. was when I was still kind of like coming off drugs. And like, that's, I'm going to blame it on that. Um, and this chick, you know, she did nice nice tattoos pick and poke and i'm like you know it never crossed my mind you're in a jail you know it's disgusting it's you know you mix together some vo5 shampoo green shampoo i forgot about the vo5 that's a prison classic (laughs) yeah um and some uh, lead from a pencil and go to town and why do they call it a pick and poke because you know they make it out of like a staple you know they usually take the staples out but somebody gets one somehow and you know you grind it down and you take some thread from a tampon or something and, and like, wrap it around a pencil and... <laughs> silly. I know. Uh, did it, does it hurt? No. What's, well, like, the aftercare? Do you put, like, lotion on it, sanitizer? What do you... Um, there's not much. Like, you have antibacterial soap, and that's, that's really all I put on it. Lotion, mm. obviously, but... It's very bad. It's scarred. It's just, it's horrible. So what were you thinking? I, I'm, uh, brand, I wasn't. <laughs> I'm brand new to prison. I got to get a prison tattoo. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. Why do you think everyone's associated with get prison with getting a prison tattoo? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe TV, movies? M- maybe, or? probably. It's like a stigma or something. What about the meals? Wait, do you have any prison tattoos? No, I never got one. Yeah, I don't believe in tattoos. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't believe you. You're, I don't. I don't have. I don't have any. I can. Oh man, he got me. On your that. leg says "Don't believe." Him. It doesn't say "Don't." It <laughs> no, says just "Believe." Kidding. I actually have baby Simba tattooed on my uh, leg. Is like, there a reason? Uh yeah. It's it, it's a statement of like always remember where you came from. Um, that Rafiki true. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, funny. Um, what about the food? Like, are are women taking time that work in the kitchen to make good food for the other female inmates? Yes, there are, you know, you have your group um, that really are like, you know, they're in culinary. This is what they want to do. Like the food was decent. The food was decent. You know, they take pride in what they do. It's not just a bunch of slop. (laughs) What about sleeping arrangements? What's that like in in the camp? Coleman was really nice. So, you know, in county jail, you get a slab and like it's hard and, you know, your mattress is like this big. Do they even give you pillows? Because I think we had to like None. stuff our sweaters. Yeah, we would take our jumpsuits and, mm-hmm. and do that and wrap it or and get a pillowcase made or guys would tear apart mattresses and make pillows. But that would be considered contraband. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um, when I got to Coleman, it was amazing because you have it's two bunks, you know, into a room and. You have springs, and then you actually have a mattress with springs that's about this thick. 
and real pillows. Yeah, people don't realize that there's springs in federal prison. Yeah. Not at the detention centers, but at these camps and lows. Right. It's pretty nice. Yeah. um, I don't know about, I think in the men's that they do have the the thin mattresses because of like bed bugs or something. I think Mm. they were actually talking about taking the... um, the mattresses out just you know because of that reason they weren't there but just in case but even having a spring makes a huge difference oh my god God. a big difference even like (laughs) the metal bunk itself you know we had the springs across the bottom instead of the slab so that alone makes a difference then you have the spring mattress it's just what what about um a um um so all the rooms are, are two woman rooms yes every single one everyone that's a lot of rooms yeah and there's a door no door. Okay, no yeah. door. They're like cubicles. They are like cubicles. It's like you have the blocks. They're about five feet. You know, you can kind of see over them. Five feet tall that separate each room. What about bathrooms, showering and stuff in, in um, the camp? The showers have have stall doors. <laughs> Thank <laughs> goodness. Um, and so do, the, so do the toilets. It's very, very private. So a bunch of sinks lined up, probably 10 on each side. Mm. Everything's a mirror, huge mirror. That's how it is at our camp, too. Yeah. It's actually it's nice at the camp. You got the stalls and you and you got the showers. Right. Water pressure was probably better there too. Yeah, it was decent. <laughs> so overall, how, how would you say your stay was in federal prison camp? I mean, it was definitely the best part of my sentence. You know, county was the worst. You just because you know everything about it. You don't know what's happening. You lost everything. You're you know you're coming down off drugs. Your family's like you know it's just all bad. But um, federal prison like. <sighs> I did RDAP, so I learned a lot from RDAP. I think that... Describe what RDAP is. RDAP is like a cognitive program, you know, a drug program. They help you change your thoughts, you know, change your... What is their logo? Change your thoughts. I don't know, something. It's a very strict program, though. It is, yeah. It's 24-7. Like, you're in your own dorm. Everybody in this dorm is in this program, so it's, like, nonstop. They're, you know, watching you and... If they see something like your behavior or something you've done, you know, they, they call you out in front of everybody. And that's how they help you. And what about um, visits in, in the in the camp? So we have visits every other weekend. Every other weekend, yeah. Oh, wait. Only on the weekends. And every other weekend? Every other weekend. Why every other weekend? I think because it was so packed, you know, it would just be too many people. And do you guys share the same visiting room as the male inmates or no? No. We're, the separate area. Yeah, no. Is it like in men's camps and Lowe's where the vending machines are a popular item? Yeah. Hey, you guys you get bring <laughs> 25. You can bring 25 of the max. Bring the max in quarters and ones and come. Let's have pizza and ice cream and it's a picnic. <laughs> the burgers are pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> Big ass burgers. <laughs> yeah, those are so good. They were great. And, yeah. and having a real soda and not yeah. like the fountain soda. Did you guys have like a salad bar and, and a we soda did. bar? We didn't have a soda bar, but we did have a salad bar. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we had like a soda. It was a knockoff soda with like, it had like a fruit punch, I think like a Coke, a knockoff Coke and like a Sprite or something. Like RC Cola. Yes, that's what it was. It was <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and then a salad bar. People don't believe that the feds have salad bars. Yeah, they what, do. What was on your salad bar? Salad. <laughs> yeah, but like the, the It was toppings. mostly just salad. Like, okay. you know, you had your few little toppings, but it wasn't anything special. It was dressings and salad. Mm-hmm. Did your parents come to visit you at all? Um, yeah. My... Mm, Probably, it was much later. Like, I was there for a while before they came. Probably, like, two years in, my dad and my sister came. And then and then I got to see my daughter. So, it was a while, though. Did prison help you get clean? Yeah, absolutely. And you stayed clean after getting out? Yes. So, do you think that it was a blessing, kind of in disguise, that you went to prison to get clean? Absolutely. And it's kind of cliche but like it did it saved my life like I was just going downhill things were just I don't know if they could have gotten much worse but they were bad um but yeah it definitely changed my life like I said RDAP was great um and another lesson that I learned like even going through prison was the people you surround yourself with like you have to be careful with who you surround yourself with because the people that I was hanging out with like I didn't like what they were doing but I was still there so like you're still associated with that, even though you're not doing it and whatever they may be doing. Right. Do you understand? Yeah. So I learned that like it took me a while. I actually went to um, county jail 
while I was in prison at the camp because we don't have a isolation. What's it called? We don't. The shoe. We don't have the shoe. We we get sent off to the next county jail. Um, so I went for like forty days because of the whole you know officer and inmate relationship things. Oh, well, just you because got invest- of who I was. Yeah, you got investigated. Yeah. Wow. And women are just kind of conniving. So. Are there fights at all at these camps? Like, are girls fighting? I have never seen. I have never seen a fight at a, the federal prison camps. County jail, yeah, there's a bunch. But a lot of people when they're at the camp, they don't want to do anything to leave the camp, right? Especially when the shoe's not on campus and they have to get shipped out. Right. It would be silly, you know. You fight. They're they're sending you down the road, and you know it's another four hours from your family. Like it's just silly. What? Time off your sentence. Exactly. Or add it to your sentence. Like, Do you think you needed the five years to get clean or could you have done it with less time? I think that it was perfect. I think that it was a perfect amount of time because um, when you do RDAP, you get a year off when you complete that program. So, you know, I ended up doing four years. <clears throat> and I do. I think that everything that I went through in, you know, it, it definitely, I needed it. Yeah. What year do you end up getting out? 2019. 2019. So you got out, thankfully, before COVID. Yes, thank God. How hard was it to readjust into life with this new, you know, a clean life, done with prison, and what were, like, some of the challenges of now being a felon? Um, Obviously, like, you know, getting a job is difficult. You know, you're going to go to Dunkin' Donuts and, you know, work for $8 an hour, and, you know, it just sucks. Like, you have no transportation. You're starting over with nothing. Um... And I went to Tampa, and I don't have family there. Um, I think that my dad lived like two and a half hours away or two hours away, so that, and that was the closest halfway house. So I don't know. It's difficult, like, you know, just readjusting. And I remember, like, sitting at the bus stop, and traffic would make me dizzy because everything was just going by so fast. And, you know, even talking to people, like, you, you I don't kind of talk differently i don't know just, <laughs> I, I don't know you're not talking about prison or this you know what this chick's doing or what were some uh, like habits that stuck with you or like routines that were hard to kind of like kick after prison i am not institutionalized no, no, no you don't no, have I'm to be kidding. but i know like for me it was weird to take a shower without flip-flops yeah that, that w- first time that was that was weird but nice it was you know nice um i don't really have any weird things but i i like getting up early i get up early now like no alarm clock. I just. I don't yeah. know how you do that. <laughs> I need an al- I need like ten alarms. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I have like a fear that like I'll sleep through an alarm, so I have like ten or fifteen set. It's that's crazy. Crazy. But I you're know. young, so that's. I know. I normally wake up before the alarms. It's just a fear that like I don't want to be late for something. Yeah. Even though I'll sit in my bed bullshitting on the phone, <laughs> and then I'll be late anyways. That's but. funny. But yeah, no, I get up early. You know, um, I've always kind of like worked out. But, you know, obviously fell off when I was, like, on drugs. <clears throat> so, you know, that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's very routine. We work out, like, six days a week. Um, all good habits. They're all good habits. Like, you know, making your bed. I'm never that person. Yeah. So I, I make my bed every morning. And I know it all I, seems small, but, like, no, you know, I'm make, very, like, <laughs> clean and tidy in particular. Like, this has to go here. <laughs> I make mine the prison way still. Like, where you fold the top part and you have, like, you know the... The wool blanket they give you or whatever. On the bottom? Yeah, that would be on the bottom, and then I fold it in half at the top. But I don't know. I just do it that, that particular funny. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, were the women working out in prison? Uh, some of them do. But yeah. is it is it like, not. are they doing burpees? Or are they doing like that like the men prison workouts? Yes. And so, I'm glad you mentioned that. <laughs> um, I had a buddy. Her name was Christina. And her husband was in the prison next to the camp. You know, they had correspondence, so they would send over their workouts and their times. So we did 100 burpees, and we did it for time. So they sent over their time. They did it in 9 minutes, 10 seconds. So we're like, all right, we're going to do this challenge, 100 100 burpees challenge for time. And we did it in, like, 8 minutes and, like, 40 seconds and (laughs) sent it back, like, bam. And we didn't cheat, you know. So we would do that. So, yeah, they were pretty hardcore. Um, I went to Greenville, not Greenville, yeah, Greenville, Illinois, for the RDAP program. And they have actual weights, you okay. know, Olympic bars, pl- 
plates. Were you doing any of that? Yes. I was big <laughs> in the whole CrossFit thing. and That's awesome. Yeah. Now, we hear a lot of times, like, in the world, it's a real issue with, like, women in the workplace and, and, and women's rights in the workplace and everything like that. Has it been more difficult not only being a woman, but also being a woman with a felony on your record? I think that, yeah, it's more difficult. When I got out, you know, like, I got a job through my dad, you know, it's like who you know kind of thing. Um, but if you don't have anybody to help you out, you know, give you that leg up, like, yeah, it's super difficult. But, like, I had my dad, and then I went back to school um, and became a marine mechanic. So they're not really, you know, they don't really care if you have a felony. You know, you're working on a boat. <laughs> Do you get any benefits now from your time in the military? No. Nothing, because you didn't serve enough time. Right. What do you do now? I'm a boat mechanic. You're still the boat mechanic. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you're good with your hands and yeah. whatnot. Mm -hmm. Looking back on everything, what's like your biggest takeaway from everything you went through? You know, your, your traumatic childhood, what you went through in prison, getting out of prison. What What's your biggest lesson in all that? Um, I think all of it combined is it's good to use it as ammo, you know, to propel you, you know, further in life instead of hold you back. A lot of people take trauma and, and things like prison and, and use them as an excuse to stay where they're at or, you know, just complain, you know, be the, the crybaby. Or I think that, you know, you use it as fuel um, and also like surround yourself with good people. Like, it's for me. It's a big deal. Like, obviously, people influence me, you know, in my life. And it's just I've never had that or have chosen the good person, you know. So, or, like, you know, to be around. Just because, like, you know, drugs and hanging out and partying just was my life. So you just find somebody good that's going to be honest and tell you what you need to hear and stick with them. How do you, uh, like, avoid any urges to try drugs again or to fall down in a bad habit? I think that I, honestly, when I think about it, it disgusts me. Like, I, you know, half my family still does it, and I, I can't stand to talk to half of them. You know, the conversation, it doesn't go anywhere. It's just like, wow, it's like, this was you, you know? And I hate it, and I feel, you know, I feel bad, and it makes me sad that they're still doing it, but... It, I think it also it just shows me it's like, wow, I will never be that again, you know? So there's no urges, like, and I, I'm nowhere near Okeechobee. So, I mean, I think that has something to do with it. Yeah, sometimes we have to remove ourselves yeah. from negative environments like that. People, places, Yeah, things. and you hear that all the time over and over, but it, it really is the truth. Yeah. Yeah. How's your relationship with your children now? Um... <clears throat> Two of them, it's good, you know. Um, my daughter lives with us, my oldest. and uh, But one of them, the one that was adopted, I still have yet to talk to or see. So, you know, we're hoping something happens soon. Have you had conversations with your oldest daughter about your past, what you've been through? Yeah. Yeah, she knows. She's very open with her about everything. Do they look at you kind of like as a badass at all? I think my daughter does. Cause she, <laughs> she'll do the whole thing. Like, she was in prison, and she's like, flex, show your muscle. And like, what are you doing? Well, that, like, and like, you're an outdoorsy person. Right. right. Uh, you, you've lived a very interesting yeah. uh, life. You, like, you're, you're, you very are very much a badass. We went gator hunting like a week ago. Gator hunting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like uh, a 10-8. Bad, badass mom goes to prison. <laughs> Is that the title of this thing? <laughs> that might be good. Yeah. Badass mom survives federal prison camp. Yeah, I like it. You like it? Yeah. Cool. Let's rock with it. All right. Jess, thank you for coming on the show today. It's been great. I'm glad you're more comfortable with me yeah. now talking to me. Maybe we'll do this again. I guess I did something right in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> you're a good interviewer. Thank you.